Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. So Ephesians chapter 4, beginning uh, in verse 11 and 12, it's a portion of scripture that maybe some of you are familiar with, but um, it goes like this, and God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And the first thing I just want to point out is, and he gave, he gave these offices to the church. Now, I just gave away um, 20, 20 bucks, and um, we have a term for that. Like if I, if I come to your birthday party and I, I give you a gift, I mean, isn't that what we call it? We call it a gift. We, you know, we, we bless somebody, we gift them something. I don't know if you ever thought about it this way, but just so you know, I'm God's gift to you. Amen. God gave me to you. You didn't know you were so special. Because what I do, my calling is to fit in one of those offices. But there is a purpose for that gift. And we see that opened up to us in verse 12. To what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so many times we call the pastor, the preacher, um, the, you know, being called in the full-time ministry. But in actuality, biblically, who's in the full-time ministry? We all are. It's for all of us. It's not for a select few. It's not just for a, a special calling, but it's for us as the body of believers. And there's something that does is that we build up together the body of Christ. Paul shows that God gives pastors and teachers and prophets and evangelists to the church, to minister to the church, to equip the ministers. And who are all the ministers? The believers. All the Christians are to be ministers, and you are one of them. And it is my role as a pastor, as a teacher, to train and equip all believers to serve wherever God has called you. So if, if our church, um, which, which we are in excess of that, but just an example, if our church had 100 members and only one minister, there's a big problem right there. Because we're all called to be ministers. And what we believe here at Odessa First Assembly is that every member does the work of ministry. Every member is a minister. Every Christian has access to God. Every Christian can hear from God. Christians, us, us as believers, the Big C Church, we have a purpose. We have a destiny that God is leading, guiding, and directing each one of us. And yes, that involves teaching and, and preaching and healing and nurturing and giving and administering and nursery and connect groups and youth and children and so many other tasks. And I want you to understand this morning is that we tend to overestimate what we can do by ourselves and underestimate what we can do as a collective group of believers. The body of Christ would accomplish far more than we ever could 
dream just working by ourselves. Working together, the church can express the fullness of Christ. I'm going to say that again. We can accomplish more together by working together to express the fullness of the church of Christ. And I'm just going to be authentic. I'm going to be real for a moment. And I know this last year has been difficult for many and many of us, whether we come, you know, vocationally or just relationally and all politically and all. You know, a couple of weeks ago I talked about that it's chaos. It's crazy and it's chaos. We have this, you know, it's chaos is, what it, is really what this last year has been like. But I'm going to tell you, there have been times I've been so discouraged because I've been left to do so much by myself, and that is not the way that God intended it. Thank you, Helena. She's with me. Mother Teresa, um, I mean, she's known for her work and and what she did in, in India. And uh, uh, someone asked her one time, uh, you know, the steps they need to take to, to do more. And this was her reply. She said, come to Calcutta and find a place to die. And th- what's the truth in that statement is, is that dead men don't have rights. Boy, y'all got really quiet right there. We're like, I'm, I'm not dead. Well, the Bible says... For I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but he that lives within me. I like uh, Joan of Arc, something she said. Uh, of course, this is of course translated in English. And, but every man gives his life for what he believes, and every woman gives her life For what she believes, sometimes people believe little or nothing and give their lives for that little or nothing. One life is all we have to live and it's gone. But to live without belief is more terrible than dying, even dying young. Jim Elliott, a missionary that lost his life on the mission field, many will be familiar with this quote. He says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You see, when it comes to that moment, see, none of us know, as long as the Lord tarries, none of us know when that last breath for us is going to be. And I don't want to come at the end of my life, whenever that is, and think, should have, would have, could have. And so we look at 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 6, we're kind of going to kind of go through this verse by verse and, and skip some verses, and so, um, but I'm, I'm just going to tell you, you better buckle up. You ready? Come on, everybody buckle up for real. But you ready? Some of you might have to stretch out the, you know, okay. 2 Kings chapter 6, and I want to begin in verse 25. It says, there was a great famine in Samaria. As they besi- so what's going on here is there is a foreign army. I'm going to try to fill in the blanks a little bit. I, I, you got my text. I told you maybe if you want to get ahead to kind of read 2 Kings um, 6 and 7. But there's an army that has surrounded the city. Uh, uh, in essence, the, the enemy around the people of God. And, there was a, and because of that, they shut the city up and there was a great famine. And so this foreign army, that's what it's talking about. As they besieged it, 
until, listen to this, a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and a fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five shekels of silver. Now, you know, here's the thing. I didn't, you know, sometimes I probably should have went and like translated what shekels would have been, you know, and today to kind of give us a process. But here's the thing. Who in the world wants to buy a donkey's head or dove poop? And they're given any part of silver for this? I mean, they are desperate. They are hungry. I don't know if you knew this, but maybe a little redneck wisdom for you that, uh, um, that you can use chicken poop as chapstick because it, it'll cure your problem um, because it'll keep you from licking your lips. <laughs> but we go on to read this verse and we, we also find a, a scenario that's very disturbing. There is these two ladies with children, and they are so desperate for food. They come to an agreement, and they say, you know what, let's cook your kid today, and we'll eat it. And then tomorrow, we'll cook mine and eat it. And so that's what they did. So this one lady, if you read in 2 Kings chapter 6, so they eat the one child, but when it came time for the mother to, do the, the, to kill the other child, she wouldn't do it. And so the one who had lost her child and they ate it, she ran to the king. I mean, do you understand the desperation here of how hungry the people of God were? They're surrounded by this army of the enemy. I mean, you can look at it in, in, a, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 28 and 29. What is your trouble, she answered. This woman said to me, give me your son that we may eat him today. And, and we will eat my son tomorrow. Listen to me. When a church is more internally focused than outwardly focused, it will consume itself. When we're more worried about me than the them, we become cannibals. Because what do cannibals do? Cannibals eat their own. And far too long, the church has been known of shooting its own wounded. The classic, I'm, I mean, there's so many things that cause us to go internal. I mean, some of the classics, I'm, I'm just not getting fed. Now, I believe it is my job and, uh, to bring fresh, baked bread. And, you know, that's what I want this house to be. I mean, when people walk in the door, I mean, is it, has, has anybody ever made bread? Any, anybody? I mean, there is nothing, I mean... When you smell bread, I don't care if you're keto and carb. I mean, you smell bread. It's like, I'm eating that. I mean, my, I, I used to work for Miss Barrett's bakery, and I delivered bread. And I mean, it was like, I mean, I'd open that warehouse door, and all that fresh bread would be there. And it'd be like, heaven. I mean, I remember the, I mean, I mean when, we were, when, when you deliver that bread, it was so fresh, the cellophane on the bread would be poofed up because of the steam. Oh, just give me some butter. Man, man, okay, I'm digressing. When it's more about how my needs are not getting met versus that how I'm meeting the needs 
of others. As a ministry, again, I'm supposed to do my part and, and help create with us together that atmosphere. But I'm going to tell you, the more time I would devote to what um, others can do, I, as, a, as a minister, as, as a pastor of this church, I devote less time of what I really need to be doing, and that's whipping up the batter. I'm preaching, pastor's preaching really good right now. Nothing will kill a ministry or walk with our walk with God or a church than to be too inward focused. You see, the, 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 the title of this series is Awaken. And, and, and that's what I try to talk about the first week is that we wake up from that sleep and we, we, we be who God has called us to be. And that is the church of Jesus Christ. That is a powerful, that is alive, that is well. That this house, this room be a hospital for the hurting and the lost. Second Kings chapter 7 verse 1. But Elisha... He, so you got to remember, I mean, we got dove excrement and donkey's heads that are going for a great price. And then the prophet speaks in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. But Elijah said, I, I like how that begins with but. It's, it, there's desperation. They're, they're, they're starving. Things aren't right. But Elijah said, the man of God said, the prophet said, hear the word of the Lord. Tomorrow about this time, a say of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two sayas of barley for a shekel. I mean, think, so what he's saying is there is about to be a whole shift that there is going to be plenty and that plenty is going to be cheap. The exact opposite of what's happening right now. And so what this verse is telling us, if I could translate it and maybe to our time right now, is that uh, there may be a famine right now, but God says. There, there may, we may be surrounded by the enemy right now, but but God says. Right now, things may be bad, but see, God's got a different word for you. Right now, we may be surrounded by the army, but, but God says there is, there is something that God is doing. And I know we may be still in the middle of this COVID things. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but I'm going to tell you, God is not waiting for it all to be over to do something big. He wants to do it right now, but God. But God, I, he's not going to wait till it makes sense. He's not going to wait till the chaos is over. He wants to do it now. The harvest is still white and ready. The hurting still need to be healed. The lost still need a savior. The broken hearted still need to be mended. And I'm going to tell you, do you hear the word of the Lord that he's saying? It's time for a shift. It's time for a change of my church. I have raised you up to be a giant, not to waste away in slumber. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 7. Then the captain on whose hand the king leaned said to the man of God, I mean, because the facts, he's like, you're nuts, man. He's like, have you seen what it's like? Have you seen what it's like out there? And, and here's what he says, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? I mean, I mean really, let me try, he's saying, God can't even make a change. 
I mean, it's really what he's saying. God can't even make the difference. Listen to me very carefully. If you're not a note taker, here's, you got to write, put it in your, it's okay to write in your Bible. I don't know if you know that or not, but it's okay. If you don't have a notebook, some, some, maybe you need to tweet it and just remind yourself. I don't know. If you don't see it before you see it, you'll never see it. That was good, wasn't it? If you don't see it before you see it, then you'll never see it. You see, we are called not to walk by sight, but by what? We're to call me to walk by faith. And we walk by faith, we don't always see it, but we hope for what we want to see. Oh, come on, somebody. If you don't see it before you see it, you'll never see it. I mean, I, I, maybe we've heard that a thousand times over. We've got to walk by faith and not, not by sight. But listen, whatever it is right now, maybe us as the big C church in the world, we're not entirely seeing what we want to see. I'm going to tell you this morning, I, I was thinking about an old song by Lyndall Cooley, and that's weird saying, an old song, and Lyndall Cooley and the same, but anyway, some of you will get that. I know some of you won't, but it's time for the dead and gone to live again it's time for the dead to rise it's time for the dead to sing it's time for the walls to ring it's time with songs of freedom to be shouted it's time for the numb to feel it's time for the wounds to heal with songs of freedom it's time for the tide to be turned it's time for our hearts to burn with desperation it's time for sacrifice it's time that we paid the price for our generation it's time that we wake up church it's time that we become the church that Christ died for I don't know if you're if you're a guest here yes this is me like why is he yelling at me because I yell at football games too Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 I know we're familiar with this it says where there is no prophetic vision that people cast off restraint some of us know you know where where there's no vision people perish. I'm going to tell you, church, it is time to dream again. It is time to dream again. It is time to dream again. We are not just here to exist. We're just not here to turn some oxygen into CO2. We're just not here to take up some space. We are here on divine appointment by God. So the thing is, I'm, some are saying, like, really me? Really? What? What can I, I mean, really, that's me? I mean, you don't know my past. You don't know my faults. You, I mean, I'm not even saved yet, and you're preaching like this to me. Well, that's when we get to 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 3. Really, the, the core of these two chapters, we see something very significant. Now, there were four men who were lepers. There were four men who were lepers. I mean, this reminds you not to go... Uh, you know, too, too much time, but, you know, leprosy was something back, I mean, from this time up in, in, in the first century church and, and that culture that it was, I mean, they were considered unclean. Leprosy, you know, it was often believed that um, leprosy, um, you know, just your, your, your uh, uh, 
body of your fingers, toes, noses, ears, whatever, you know, kind of dried up and just kind of fell off. But that's not actually how leprosy works. What happens is leprosy kills your nerve endings. It kills all your nerve endings. And so what happens is, is that you injure yourself, you don't know it, and then you don't heal. Or what would happen many times is, is because of those injuries, I mean, a lot of lepers, they live in leper colonies, and they were overrun with rats, and the rats would actually come and eat off of their face and fingers, and they didn't know it while they were asleep. They couldn't feel it. It's a terrible disease. And so here's these four lepers. Now think about this for a moment. There is a city full of people, and there is an army full of people, and here we have four men. Four men with leprosy, unclean, the lowest of society, the one that everyone's despised. Matter of fact, whenever a leper would walk through um, crowds of people, they had to actually themselves cry out, unclean, unclean, so the people around them knew they had. I mean, think of, what if we had to do that? I mean, I mean, if you had to, when you walked into a public place and you had to shout out whatever the disease was or whatever the sin was or whatever the struggle was that made made you feel like you were in fear to can you imagine so these four lepers and they're at the entrance gate and they said one to another why are we sitting here till we die i mean what a question why are we sitting here till we die and really, if you go on and you read the next few verses, what you find out there, they have this really, they have this epiphany. They have this discussion. If we stay here, we're going to die. If we go into the city with the rest of them that are shut up, we're going to die. If we go to the enemy camp, we're going to die. I, so do you understand the feeling of desperation that they're having? But listen, lepers were outcasts. And so many times we feel underqualified in some degree of where God is trying to lead us. And that is our leprosy. I can't sing like that. I'm not funny like so-and-so. I, people don't like me that much. I'm not as bubbly as so-and-so. I don't have as much money. I'm, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I'm not creative. I'm not a good communicator. I don't have much worth saying that people will listen to. Listen, I read you my list. You get your own. Do you hear your preacher this morning? I said, that's, that's my list. You, you go find your own excuse. But that's not who... God has called us to be. God says, I'm a new creation. God says, I'm his possession. God says, I'm a royal priesthood, that I'm the apple of his eye, that I'm alive to God, that I'm anointed, that I'm his beloved, that I'm declared holy, that I am gifted, that I'm his masterpiece, that I am highly favored, that I'm redeemed, I'm of a chosen generation, I have a sound mind, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, I'm sanctified, sealed, delivered, transformed, I'm his witness, I'm filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm worthy for the Lord to do anything he wants to do in this vessel don't believe the lie of the enemy that you have the leprosy don't believe it God wants to use his church if there is a time listen I know that I said it some months ago before the election but I'm going to say it again God is not trying to awaken the church house through the white house it's time for the church house to impact the white house 
If we want a shift or a change in our land, what does the Bible say? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I'll forgive them of their sins and I will heal their land. I mean, I, I just want you to process just for a moment. We get so locked into a rut and in our own head space sometimes. When was the last time you really experienced a divine surprise? I, I've decided, I, you know, we, here we have values and we have sayings and, and vision and purpose statements and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we talk about it all the time. I kind of emphasized it even last week that we're just not friends here, that we're family. Old Dessa, First Assembly, we are family. We do life together, found people, find people, growing people, change, taking you from where you are to where God wants you to be. I mean, we have these things that we tend to say all the time. But through this 21-day fast, I really felt God speak to me. And it's just the way it happens sometimes, but God gave me a new part of our DNA. And so what the new thing you're going to hear quite often around this place is we are the people that believe in you when you don't believe in yourself. We're the people that believe in you when you don't believe in yourself. Thank God for people who believed in us when we didn't believe in ourselves. I don't know if you've ever come across a turtle on a fence post, but I'm going to tell you, if you ever come across a turtle on a fence post, you're going to know one thing. He didn't get there by himself. He didn't get there by himself. I mean, I feel that way all the time that I'm that turtle on the fence post. I, I know I've shared this so many times, but it just, you know, it's just one of those stories that, about my life that I love. I love the memory. And it was before, it was right, it, it, me and Angela got married in September, and this was in October. I mean, this is like just literally, like not even a month after we got married. And of course, Angela and her family, I mean, they're like, you know, connected and know everybody in the world in ministry. And uh, we were at a West of 50s, working a West of 50s camp at the youth camp. And this man, Tex Fortenberry, he came up to me and we were talking. He's like, so you married Angela? And he's a, kind of a rough guy, kind of a gruff cowboy guy. And, and uh, I said, yeah, I did. He said, well, you know, he said, you know, she sings. Do you, do you sing? And I said, no, sir, I don't sing. He said, do you play the piano? She plays the piano. No, I don't, I don't, I don't play the piano. She speaks Spanish. Do you speak Spanish? No, I, I, I don't speak Spanish. He said, well, you ain't worth much, are you? I was like, oh. I was like, well, I preach. He's like, well, a lot of people can do that. But I'm going to tell you what, whatever, whatever gift God has given me, I'm going to put it under the blood. I'm going to use it for his glory. And you can do the same thing. But there has to be a mindset you have to have. It's got to be more about being the light than in the spotlight. Amen. Now, I'm, I'm, I got four minutes. I'm, I'm closing up, I promise. 2 Kings 7, 6. We're going to kind of rush through this really quick. 2 Kings 7, 6. And so what happened is these lepers, they go. So they decide to go to the enemy's camp. They're like, 
Well, at least there, there's food. At least there, there's stuff. And so, I mean, we're dying anyway. Why sit here until we die? We might as well go to the enemy camp. We pick up in verse 6. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of the chariots and horses. The sound of a... So, so really what's happening here, these four lepers, are, they're walking towards this enemy camp. And what the enemy camp hears is, a, is an army coming to them is a sound of horses and chariots and a great army. And so they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of, the, of Egypt to come against us. And so they, they, don't, they don't even pack up their stuff. They run. As a matter of fact, a little further on in 2 Kings 7, you read about, I mean, they're in such a hurry that, I mean, they're leaving their clothes. They're leaving their... I mean, I, I could... You know, back in the day, I could run when not, you know, when... Before I graduated high school. And uh, I don't ever remember running so fast that I lost my clothing. I mean, they're chunking their stuff. They're th I mean, they're trying to get as light as they can because they're afraid. Listen to me. I, the Bible, uh, there was a man, a man of God, an evangelist, and he said this. Give me 100 men that love nothing but God and hate nothing but sin, and I'll turn the world upside down. we got to get out of the mindset that it's, we're just a few band of people. Don't despise small beginnings. I know that we may not be a church of 2,000 or 5,000 or 6,000, but I'm going to tell you something, when Odessa First Assembly decides to wake up and to start marching and go to the enemy camp, God's going to multiply. Does anybody hear me this morning? God's going to multiply it. I, I, you know what, I, I don't care if my name is ever on a billboard or or, or that, you know, that I fill stadiums and I'm some televangelist, but I'm going to tell you what, I sure want hell to know my name because I want hell to know that I'm spirit-filled, that I'm called of God, that I'm on a mission to break through the gates of hell and to return God's people to bring in the harvest. So God, he removed the obstacles. Did you know that God, he still split seas. God still goes before his people. The glory of the Lord is still our rear guard. God still slays giants. God still provides. God still heals. God still redeems. God still does it. God still makes a way where there seems to be no way. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this message was an encouragement to you. Remember, you can find more about us at odessafirstassembly.com and also across the social media platforms. It is our prayer that God blesses you, keeps you, sustains you. And if you're ever in the area of the Permian Basin, come and join us at Odessa First Assembly. God bless you.